Great gigs yesterday. We had such a response. And at the end of the show, a flurry of text responding to a quip about Roger Whitaker. Someone saw Roger, the great Roger Whitaker live in Tauranga many years back. And you can talk Harry Styles all you like, but my question to you is, can Harry Styles whistle like Roger Whitaker? <laughs> God, I hope and not. I, and I, <laughs> What did what did you say, Ellie? Nothing at all. I was just clearing my throat. <laughs> can Roger, can Harry Styles, Steve, whistle like Roger Wood again? I know the answer to that. The answer is probably no. Well, he didn't last night. Did you go? Absolutely. Oh, did you wear the, a feather boa? The look was it the, good. The look that Wallace is giving me right now, like, you can't <laughs> see it, but seriously, it's a mixture of disbelief and disgust. I can't quite put it into words. Any good? Actually, not bad. I mean, what little I heard of him. Do, do understand that I took hearing protection with me for good reason. Oh, okay. Did you take young people with you or did you take yourself? <laughs> uh, my, my, well, to be fair, my, my, my daughter took me. My, my daughter oh, okay. is, is um, a Harry fan who, know, who bows to no man in her passion for, for Harry. She is, she is the greatest really? fan. Really? The greatest fan? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, um, your daughter might have competition. Because yesterday we had one Millie Osborne who had been waiting, in her words, years for this day, quote-unquote, referring to the music star Harry Styles. And I thought I'd check back in with Millie to see if it was all that she hoped. Millie Osborne, kia ora. Great to have you on. Kia ora. Thanks for having me on here to chat about my idol. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's just forget about Roger Whitaker, who you've no doubt never heard of. How was Harry? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. He was amazing. I'm I'm still buzzing from the concert really. Are you? It was it was really, really good. Yeah. It was perfect actually. Really? Yeah. Because stadium concerts they can be hit and miss. Was he able to galvanize and rapture and engage a stadium? Oh my gosh, totally. I don't think I've I've screamed like that in years. Um and, yeah, just everyone was hanging on his every word. Um, he's quite cheeky, actually. And yeah. was really engaging with the crowds and, yeah, all the signs that people had bought. And, um, yeah, it was it was a really, really nice concert. Felt really cool. So how cool was it that he played medicine at the end? Oh, that was wicked. I was oh, not listen to you that. too. Oh, <laughs> okay. To to be honest, I didn't realise the significance of that song until my daughter explained it to me in the car on the way home. So, Millie, do you want to explain the significance of medicine? Um, yeah, so medicine um, is a song that Harry sung towards the end of the concert, and um, it's kind of one of his unreleased songs that um, has got I don't know a lot. It's it's really huge among um, fans. It's got lots of really cool. Um, messages in it um, for a lot of people it's really cool to help like a coming out kind of song and um, talks a lot a bit about sexuality in there and it's just um, yeah because he's never released it on an album it was particularly Amazing. special that it was played yeah. and also breaking into uh, Tuturung uh, Maenga Iwi uh, yeah. Waita written in the 50s it was uh, something to behold I understand yes it was it was really special i I think we did it twice, actually, yeah. and yeah, the the whole crowd was 
um, just really jamming out to to Te Mai. It was it was awesome. Yeah. Well, Millie, yeah, Ellie. See, I just wanted to ask. I, I'm seeing a lot of girls keen on Harry. Are there as many guys, or is is he is he a, a guy singer as well? <laughs> there were actually quite a few guys there. I'd say more young women, but um, mm. I had like next to me and my mate, we had. Um, this guy was probably, I don't know, just there by himself, um, maybe in his late 30s, and he was screaming. <laughs> and, um, that's that's a little weird, so, actually, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's unusual. What? There, there were definitely what? fellas there, and all three of us enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Millie, it's just, I can, I can, I'm sharing the passion for Harry Styles as you speak. I just want to say, um, go well, and I'm really Thank pleased you. that you were able to get to, uh, I guess, the night that you'll always remember. Yeah, it was amazing. Good on you. So glad I was there last night. Wonderful. Kia ora. All right, Miss Millie, Os- Millie Osborne there who went to Harry Styles. Yeah. And, and, and if you want to know more, Wallace, don't, don't forget to, uh, to read my review at cravepodcast.com. Nice. Good on you. Very quick, good. Quick. Thank that, you. That's why I was actually there, to be honest. Jim says, I would like the company of Jermaine Greer uh, for uh, the woman I'd like to invite to dinner. In my view, the person responsible for spearheading getting women's rights taken seriously uh, on an intellectual level and the wicked sense of humour, uh, says... Uh, Jim. Anyway, uh, you're on the panel on RNZ National 20 to 5. We have Ali Jones and Steve McCabe today. Now, we know there is a gender pay gap, but what about the sex and gender health care gap? Your sex and gender can impact your health outcomes on Aotearoa. This one stood out to me. Cardiovascular disease isn't caught as early in women, but it is the number one killer and responsible for the death of twice as many women in Aotearoa than any other single cause. To discuss, we have Associate Professor Kelly Burrows from the Auckland Bioengineering Institute and founder of FemTech Revolution. Uh, Kelly, kia ora. It's going to be a hard act to follow Harry Styles, <laughs> but I'll do my best. We can only try post-Harry Styles, uh, Kelly. But this really interested me, and I'd wager there are many people listening to this today that would be quite surprised about that regarding cardio disease amongst women. Yeah, so in fact, it's across all different parts of the body. There are sex differences. Um, And I have to be honest, I've worked as a bioengineer in the health tech field for about 20 years, and it's only been in the last few years that I've really uh, considered these sex differences. But the more you look into it, the more you find them. And actually, I got into this area when I founded my femtech business. So this is an area that's developing health technology specifically for women. And it's because that there's so many gaps in women's health, um, you know, reproductive health in particular, but our whole bodies as females work differently. So we have variations in our anatomy, but also the hormones impact how our body works. Mm. Um, And so you're right, there's a lot of, um, you know, cardiovascular disease. Sometimes women can have different symptoms when they're having a heart attack. Right. They're more likely to be sent home, actually, when they're having a heart attack. Um, But there's also other sort of diagnostic criteria that are the same for men and women, even though women's organs are typically smaller. So it can mean that women are are sicker and have more severe disease when they are diagnosed. Let's jump into our panel on this. Ali Jones. 
Yay you, Kelly. That's all I can say. Um, you know, I do some work with, with midwives and have been around women's health for a very, very long time. And it's so nice to hear someone, you know, as, as, as intelligent and educated as you and experienced talking about it. I mean, two things. Women are discriminated against both as users of the health system and as workers. Um, and I've seen that myself in the last 20, 25 years. Where is the Aotearoa Women's Health Strategy on this? Are you aware of that strategy? I think it's been in the works for years. And it's potentially a real game changer for women, but it's buried in the blocked and bloated digestive system of the health ministry. Do you know anything about it? Yeah, I do. I do know a bit about it, but I don't know the details. I mean, I probably looked at it a year or so ago, but I, I haven't really seen much more about it. Um, but is that yeah, disappointing? Really that I mean. It is, Would you ex- it is disappointing, yeah. and actually, one thing to highlight, you know, when you say women's health, when when people talk about women's health, they do often conflate it with reproductive health. But when I'm talking about women's health, you know, I want to talk about the, the health of women as a whole, mm-hmm. not just our, you know, reproductive organs. And I think it's really important that we we uh, in research and, and clinical trials and everything start to include more women and really yeah. understand the differences in, in healthcare. Yeah, agree. Interesting, yes, Steve. Well, I was trying not to, to do the, the typical bloke thing of centre my own voice on International Women's Day, but Wallace keeps asking me to come in and mansplain things, so I'll have a go. And and, and I'm just thinking of a comment I heard someone make a, a long time ago who said, said that as far as medicine's concerned, most doctors act as though women are simply men, who do, who, men who've gone wrong. And the, stan- the standard body is, is basically a white male body. And and everything else is seen as as a sort of like variants or even sort of I don't know deviant deviances from that norm. And so if you if you if you're viewing female bodies within that perspective, then of course you're going to have a hard time understanding the the fundamental and significant difference between the way the two bodies work. And you're not going to end up um, giving women the specific care that they need distinct from the specific care that men need. It's, it's inevitable if you start off from that kind of prejudice. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly? Exactly, exactly. But I would argue that women um, have bodies that have gone right. Um, well, obviously, you know, yes. Ad- adapted, obviously. Oh, I wasn't um, saying yeah. I agreed with that statement. I was just saying it's one I heard presented. Yeah, but, but one, one important point is that because women's uh, hormonal fluctuations complicate our biology, that's one reason why we're often excluded from clinical trials. And what I was really amazed at, even in New Zealand last year, we found uh, two clinical trials being run that were only recruiting men. And these, one of them was testing breast cancer drugs. What? Um, and it just, you know, so even today, women are excluded because we're more complicated. So it means that they don't need to include as many participants. But then when they um, release these drugs to the market, women have sort of a two times the risk of having an adverse drug reaction because they haven't been tested on us. That is really extraordinary, uh, Dr. Burroughs, to hear this. I I guess my final question is, what might we able to do? Is it it down to um, an implicit bias? Is it sexism? Is it because it's been in the too hard basket? What is it? Yeah, I think it's a few of those things. And... um, Definitely the too hard basket. So we, women are more complicated. I mean, everyone probably already knows that in many ways. Um, but also I think it's sort of in setting policies, making sure that we do include women in these trials, but also really analyse those um, data as a function of, of the differences in sexes. 
nice to have can you I on. Ask, yeah, one can more I ask question. one more question yeah, sure. just very quickly? Just looking at women, and, and I know it's not just about re- reproductive health too, Kelly, but when you look at menstruation, um, pregnancy, breastfeeding, menopause, all those things that are uh, part of women's lives and reproductive um, health, is that one of the reasons why there isn't the research and, and lack of attention to biological differences because we go through these things in our lives and there's just not that focus on being able to deal with those chunks at the time that they're happening? It's too well, hard. That, 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 yeah, exactly. It goes into that too hard thing, doesn't it? So it's because our bodies change a lot. Um, and, and, yeah, with pregnancy and lactation, there are those issues of not wanting to harm the baby or an unborn child. So there's, there is a lot of complications, and it does make, make this sort of research on women harder. But just because mm. it's harder doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing it. Indeed. Dr Burrows from the Auckland Bioengineering Institute. Thank you uh, for your time on that. 14 to 5, the panel, thank you so much for your responses. I'll have to save some for the Friday mailbag, uh, just sort of overrun with responses regarding Ellie Jones, as I've been thinking regarding who, uh, what woman or group of women would you invite to dinner uh, on International Women's Day 2101. Now, this was raised by a list many weeks back, but we'll come back to it today. Very interesting. Why can't we have a US-style home loan system? Why can Americans fix for 30 years? Imagine locking in a rate and paying it off for 30 years. Fix and forget. Susan Temperman from Niche Mortgages is a mortgage broker who worked uh, for over a decade uh, in the US as a broker there. Susan, welcome. Hi, Wallace. Thanks. Great to have you. And so tell us more. How are you able to fix and forget in the US? 30-year mortgage fixed? Well, it's pretty simple. We have 30-year treasury bonds in America. And we don't have 30-year uh, treasury bonds in New Zealand. So that money is being, that huge pool of investor money is being lent out for mortgages. Ah, uh, got it. And also perhaps more competition. It's a very, very oh, competitive market. You're, you're usually, not... usually competitive, competitive, yes. When I first became a broker, I was handed a list of lenders and I counted them up. It was over 300. <laughs> what? Okay. I'm just thinking, Those are people I could actually call and say, can you do this loan for me? Okay, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I remember buying uh, property in Florida back in 2000 and, oh, when would it be? Um, GFC kind of time. Right. And, uh, and yeah, I, I remember the, 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 there were people falling over themselves to fling mortgages at us um, and we could take our pick. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. since... And since then, also, obviously, certainly in, in certain states, I think in particular in places like Michigan, um, the bottom's effectively fallen out of the housing market in many places. And I know uh, the condo I bought in Clearwater, I think, is, is selling basically the same price now that I bought is it. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Price hasn't changed a whole lot. So, so the, the, there's, there's an awful lot of lenders who are desperate to, to get loans um, oh, settled. And so if that's what it takes, they'll do it. Whereas here... We've got an absolutely insane on fire uh, housing market, and one one adjunct to that therefore has to be an absolutely insane on fire um, loan market. And there's people who are desperate; they'll take any loan they can get just to get oh, into okay. purchasing. So very different market, Susan. Well, yes, it's incredibly different. I mean, think about the advantage of having a target audience of potentially 330 million people compared to you know our modest five million. Um, and all the money that's sloshing around in that kind of market. So, plus a lot more mobile market where people are moving across country and changing jobs and careers and things, a much broader um, kind of flexibility and lifestyle. So, 
you know, people only keep their mortgage for three or four years in America because they're off to something else. Ellie? And the interesting thing is, of course, is there aren't break fees, which, you know, I know people are really stung with here, and you don't have those in the States. My question is, you mentioned the 30-year bond as being the pool of money that allows this kind of duration of mortgage to be available. Why don't we have access to that here? I don't know much about the financial markets, but how well, could this happen in New Zealand? It's a pretty good question, but we only have one- to five-year bonds in New Zealand, and the only other – there's two sources in America of mortgage finance, the mortgage-backed securities – and the U.S. Treasuries. In New Zealand, we basically have, you know, New Zealand Treasury market and, uh, you know, private investors, which fall into a whole different category. But they're just not guaranteeing anything for beyond five years. So that's the problem. And also, it's considered higher risk to Mm -hmm. lend in New Zealand because it's a smaller pool and there's, you know, just you don't have those economies of scale of, like I said, so we would never see anything like that 30-year because it is just too risky to do that in, in somewhere like New Zealand? Well, you know, talk to the Reserve Bank of New Zealand about that. Um, we need to be doing some infrastructure work in New Zealand. Why shouldn't we be issuing longer-term bonds to help fund those events? Um, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not an investor. I'm a mortgage advisor, but I, I see you know, how the whole short-term mentality of investment is in New Zealand. Just look at our infrastructure. Right, yeah. New Zealand has been conditioned into a one- to two- to three-year, maybe, fixed mortgage. And it keeps people on a pretty short chain. Yeah, so interesting to have you on the program, Susan. Uh, I'd love to chat with you more on that. You've got a very, very quick response before we go. Here's what, one, one question also. Sure. To what extent is this predicated on the fact that an awful lot of the market here is based on, on um, a lot on short, short-term ownership and, and flipping of properties? Um, I mean, I've seen lots of mortgages advertise their interest only, and they're based on the idea that you'll only hold uh-huh. this property for a couple of years, you only hold the loan for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an investor mentality. I actually think that's changing too because oh, I think good. the... The advantage of owning property short-term has, has become limited, and people are seeing the advantage of longer-term investment even on their portfolios. Right. Uh, but that's a personal perspective. Okay. Susan, thank you. That's Susan Tipperman, uh, who was a mortgage, mortgage broker for uh, over a decade in the U.S. market. Very interesting there. So that's why uh, Americans can fix for 30 years. A lot of uh, people uh, were interested in the um, previous topic, Kelly Burroughs. Uh, Wallace, interesting discussions regarding women's health. I recall this teaching tool for female anatomy featuring on the news last year. Medical students had hitherto routinely been taught human anatomy using male models, says Sarah in Auckland. We have Steve McCabe and Ellie Jones with me on the programme this afternoon. Wonderful to have you company. Well, last week we had Tracy, Tracy McLeod, resident, Rotorua resident, incensed about the state of the city's lawns. Tracy decided to spend 20 hours last week mowing the overgrown lawns in and around uh, the suburb of Glenholm. And today, to say she is disappointed in the Rotorua Council, that was an understatement. But uh, they say they work incredibly hard to keep up with the mowing schedule. So we thought we'd have another take on this. And we have the mayor of Rotorua, Tanya Tapso, Tanya, kia ora, good to have you on the panel. Kia ora, thank you for having me. 25 hours mowing, citizen mowing, that's a long time to mow uh, a city's lawns. What, what's your take on this? Oh, I think, I think good on her for getting out there. <laughs> 
Um, may have been some health and safety concerns, but I think um, we did have some strong feedback uh, from the community. Unfortunately, um, last week when she did um, uh, talk about it on the panel, we were actually uh, thoroughly through the way of remedying those issues. So over that summer period, um, we did see, like many other places, a lot of rain and a lot of warm weather. So our lawns, unfortunately, like others, did get away on ourselves. But I'm very happy to say those are 99% done. Oh, that's great. And look, I did bring up the likes of Fakatani and Tauranga. They had issues. I mean, I'm going to be fair, Tanya, and say it can't be easy keeping up civic pride, particularly when you possibly have many, many people knocking on the door and emailing you about every little thing. Yes, but I think I think for places like Rotorua that, you know, we've won so many Keep New Zealand Beautiful awards, um, for those that do visit us, our parks and reserves, especially around the government gardens with our beautiful museum building, are actually fantastic facilities. So our community do love and are very proud of just how good this city looks. So, so they were certainly on our case when they felt that uh, there was some slippage there huh. in what we would usually be proud of. Um, but again, like all councils, and you mentioned some in my Bay of Plenty region, um, it is very uh, difficult. We have a lot of grass to mow here in Rotorua. There's 327 reserves and also NZTA um, areas as well uh, with our highways. So I think we've seen this across the country. Right, yeah. um, well, I was in Rotorua um, a month and a half ago, I think, and I didn't see any overgrown berms or lawns. In fact, I went to the Redwood Forest. It was uh, just a fantastic uh, couple of days. Ali Jones. Tanya Alley here from Christchurch. We have a, uh, an app. The City Council has an app called Snap, Send, Solve. Do you know what I'm talking about when I mention that? Yes, yes. Yeah, do you have it? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. We don't have the app to send directly, but what right. we get people to do, and they do, is they take the photos and they just send it into um, our council email for a request for service. Um, but our contractors do use that as a measure of performance so that we make, we make sure that they are delivering to the level that we would expect them to. Right. For people who don't know what it is, it's an app on your phone and what you do is you go in and, you, and it's a city council connected app and you choose whether it's a, a road issue, a signage issue, a vegetation overgrown issue and you take photographs and it's all done in the one app and you send it away and they say, thanks, we've received it, we'll be back to you when it's resolved. Interesting, Steve. It's very good, yeah. Yeah, sounds brilliant. So a couple of thoughts come to mind. So first of all, we'll we'll hook back to um, our previous contributor, Louise, who was talking about what exactly taxation is for. And we forgot to mention government providing services, even local governments providing services such as keeping your town neat. And so clearly... This, we have a huge tension in this country where we want, on the one hand, we want all the services provided, and on the other hand, we want all the taxation low. And so, unfortunately, what we're going to have to accept here is we're going to need to see higher rates. In order to pay for this, he's going to have to get paid for. Speaking of paying for it, you mentioned contractors. So, presumably, you, you pay contractors to do these jobs. Tracy's done the job for them. So, could you please let Tracy know where she should <laughs> send, her, send her invoice and what's the hourly rate these contractors charge? I appreciate her volunteer hours into helping keep Rotorua beautiful. Yeah, it's, called, and, and, and there... it's called civic mowing there, Steve. I want to bring no, up... No, it's um, called exploitation. It's called civic <laughs> mowing. Volun- you know, what about the student volunteer army? Are they being exploited? I want to ask, because yes. Rotorua has had a bit of focus, uh, Tanya, you know, in the last year, not always in a positive light. Is there a sense that the city is bouncing back a bit because you had that NRL league, you've got the BMX crankwork events coming out, which are pretty big uh, events. 
Oh, absolutely. We have just been booming uh, since summer and it's fantastic to see. But we did go really hard as a new mayor and as a new council and pushing back on some of the things that weren't working, which was emergency housing and the bad rep that we were mm. getting. So we have seen positive progress. Our events are back. That NRL game, first time out of Australia, we had it in Rotorua, but an event that's been on this week, and I love it, it's the Australasian Police and Emergency Services Games. So in the middle of all these natural disasters that not only us in New Zealand but Australia and in our islands have been facing. We have some of those first responders, about 2,000 of them here enjoying Dorchidera and having a bit of fun finally after a very challenging Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Great to see the events. Yeah, yeah. Well said. All right, Tanya, kia ora. Thank you. That's uh, the Mayor of Rotorua, Tanya Tapsall there. Uh, I would like um, Joni Mitchell, says Michelle, Joni Mitchell, Marilyn Waring, Georgina Byam, Shulamith Firestone, Jacinda and Neve uh, to dinner. Steve McCabe, Ali Jones, thanks for your time. I'm Wallace Chapman. Checkpoint is next. See you tomorrow, 3.45.